0: Howdy. Hi. It's good to see you. It's great to, to worship together. It's the first Sunday of a brand new year, and I hope that as we sing these songs, as we in a moment look into God's word, that it just kind of stirs your heart that this is going to be an active year, that God's activity is going to be all over your life, and that be open to see it and experience it and so if you have your Bibles you can go with me to Psalm 23 or if you have your phone pull out the app you can go to Sermon Notes and that has all the readings in there and a lot of different notes that we'll talk about and kind of kick around tonight. Uh, We're starting a series in Psalm 23 that I think is one of the most beloved Psalms uh, in all of the Bible and it has such a a great picture. Now I don't know if you've ever heard of the parable uh, of the four blind guys. Who bump into an elephant and they've never experienced an elephant before and one of them bumps in and kind of they're touching the skin, they're touching the tusk, you know, the ear and the tail and they're, they're trying to describe what's in front of them because they can't quite see it and they're arguing with each other because only you only see your point of view, you don't understand and so you're trying to understand the complexity and the totality of what this is and if you could see it in its entirety, you'd see oh, an elephant, okay? Elephants are pretty cool, right? You've been maybe to the zoo, uh, we have to take our nephew when he was here to see the giant zoo exhibit, how it's expanded over the years, and elephants are pretty cool creatures. And this story, this parable, is this idea of how it can't just be about your point of view. you got to open yourselves up to others because what you want is to see the whole totality of everything. Now, keep that in mind as we listen to the words of A.W. Tozer, who said this, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us because we have to begin to understand God and he's kind of big. I don't know if you do that. He's kind of big. It's hard to get your mind all the way around all of who he is and what he's about and what he's like. You look through the scriptures and maybe you're kind of coming back to church and I think it's awesome that you're here. In fact, I hope tonight it just kind of stirs in, in a curiosity in you to investigate. This is a great place to put down some roots and, and kind of meet some other people and to go on a journey of just investigating a little bit of investing in your spiritual journey to understand who God is. He's so vast and so much. You, you look at the scripture and you begin to understand that, okay, we speak about him with so many descriptors, so many descriptions, his holiness, and yet his grace, his tenderness, yet his immense power his concern for everyone, and yet his focus on individuals, on you and on me. There's so many pictures. He's a shield over us. He's a savior for us. He's the creator of us. He's the comforter to us, and on and on and on it goes. And so it's hard to kind of get your mind all the way around who God is and what he's really like, but David, in Psalm 23, puts an image here. That is actually throughout the whole narrative, Old Testament and New Testament. We see this picture of Jesus, this picture of what God is really like. And here's what David says The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Just let that sit there for a second. Notice what David doesn't say The Lord is your consultant the Lord is your agent, the Lord is your teacher, the Lord is your coach, the Lord is your parent, the Lord is your guide, the Lord is your mentor. He may have aspects of that in your life and how you relate and interact with him and how he relates with you, but the Lord is my shepherd. First and foremost, David writes this because he wants us to see and experience who God is and what he's really, really like. Because shepherding is a highly relational thing. It's not an occupation that's nine to five. How many of you have a nine to five job? Some of you, okay? You have a job where you can go and you can check out and you're done, right? Others of you, your job kind of travels with you. You gotta carry it with you a little bit. But for many of us, this idea of, okay, we can unplug. How many of you are parents? Not a nine to five job, right? 24-7, actually like 25 out of 24 hours, it's just all-inclusive, isn't it? That's what shepherding is like. And see, Psalm 23 is the most beloved psalm in the Bible, and it tells us what God is really like. It's a picture of him. And my hope and prayer is that we weave our way through this month, this Psalm 23, that you'd come to understand it. You'd come to know better how much God loves you that you know God better in deeper and more intimate relational ways, that you get your mind around him a little bit, that you understand how deeply, uh, how deeply you matter to the creator of the universe. And that would kind of just expand your mind because here's what I know to be true. The more you understand God clearly, the easier it is to trust him completely. The more you understand God clearly and you see him clearly, you begin to understand that you can trust him completely. And so I want you to see who God is. David is kind of surveying life and he's preaching to himself and preaching to the people there and to us even today to understand, hey, the Lord is your shepherd. Now, how does David know this? Because David was a shepherd. That's what he grew up doing. He understands the job of a shepherd, understands what it means and what it takes and understanding that. So the Lord is my shepherd. Now, here's the next automatic question. What does that make us? Now you probably said it like this, sheep, I don't wanna be a sheep. Sheep are dumb, they are. They stink, they do. They're not the brightest animal. There's nothing intimidating about a sheep. In fact, when you go to the fair, you understand very quickly that's they're the lowest of the livestock animals. They can't defend themselves. They spook so easy. They cannot rest unless they're forced to. Sheep are just horrible animals. If you're looking for an animal to be like an intimidator, I guarantee you, if you walk the U of A campus or go into Maloney's on 4th and you look for the tattoos on people, you will see a lion. That's awesome. You'll see a bear. My brother has a bear claw on his back to cover up another dumb tattoo. Just a bear claw. It's awesome. It's so cool. Some people have eagles. They want to fly. Freedom. Mm. No one wakes up and says, you know what, sheep. That's what I want. Let's do it. There's no football teams named the Fighting Lambs. They don't exist. They don't strike fear into anyone because that's what sheep are. And, and for some of you, you're beginning to kind of even skip ahead and going, okay, well, if the Lord's the shepherd and I'm the sheep, they'll... Okay. For a lot of us, you've probably spent quite a few years trying to be the shepherd. How's that working for you? For a lot of people I know, this bristles against what they want to be true in their life, and that's okay. You've got to be comfortable there. Doesn't mean you have to like it initially, but you've got to be okay going on a journey to understand that not just in this psalm, But all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, this narrative that the people of God are his sheep, his flock. And there's something about that that you've got to learn to be okay with. And the reason you can learn to be okay with that is because you have a good shepherd. See, if you're a sheep and you've got a bad shepherd, one who doesn't care for you and take care of you, because here's what you learn very quickly is that sheep are completely dependent on their shepherd. And if you've got a bad shepherd, that's a bad place to be. And there's a lot of people who chase after a lot of things and try to put other shepherds in charge of their life. And I go back to, how's that working for you? And we know people. In fact, let's be honest, we've been those people. And so this challenge that David's kind of laying out here is, look, this is a, it's coming to grips and understanding See, David doesn't paint a nightmare picture in Psalm 23. In fact, he actually paints one that's really delightful. Because the Lord is my shepherd, and he's a good shepherd. He's speaking to himself, and he's saying, look, I want you to understand this reality. This simple phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, frames the whole rest of this psalm. If you miss this, you've missed the whole thing. The Lord is my shepherd. He wants you to understand the reality of that. He wants us to grasp the beauty of that, the reality of what we know to be true. How many of you believe in gravity? (laughs) How many of you understand that what goes up must come? It's a reality, right? Gravity is a part of it. What goes up must come down. We understand the law of that. But do you understand the complexity of gravity? What you begin to understand is that when Colossians chapter 1 says that Jesus holds all things together, like that's legit. Travel with me a little bit here. Colossians chapter 1, 16 through 17 says this. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, skip down verse 17, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's a good shepherd. Do you understand that uh, astrophysicists have been discovering some realities about our universe, about gravity, the law of it? Do you understand that if, if gravity was just one trillionth of a percent stronger, our universe would actually begin to fall back in on itself. It would not be a big bang. It would be a big crunch. Gravity has that kind of power. If it was one trillionth of a percent weaker, as the cosmos is expanding, planets and galaxies would not be able to coalesce and things would just be flying apart one trillionth of one percent, the complexity of the law we believe in, and we know to be true because every parent here when their kid goes by the edge of something is like, why? Because we believe in gravity. Anyone ever fallen off a ladder? Believer. But the complexity of it, imagine that. This is one law. And yet what we see is the the precision of our shepherd, to understand and to care over us. The scripture continually paints this picture of a shepherd who cares, who has not only designed life, but desires life for us, whether we recognize him or not, he desires it for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's verse one of Psalm twenty three. Maybe your verse says I I shall not want or I have all I need. Different translations may have it worded differently. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Just think of the peace. Just listen to that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Just sit with that. In our world that is so foreign, It doesn't seem even real, but what David's trying to get and trying to help you understand is this isn't God just acting shepherdly toward humanity. What No, no, the Lord is what? My shepherd. It's highly personal, highly relational. The creator of the cosmos, who keeps gravity with great precision, knows the number of hairs on your head and is dialed into your life and your living. When you live under that reality, when that becomes something that just cascades over you and you know it to be true, as true as gravity, then it begins to change you and impact and influence how you now live. It begins to have lots of different effects, but maybe just a couple to highlight. Two powerful effects that it can begin to battle against something we all face and begin to build up something that we all desire more of. It begins to battle against worry and anxiety. A shepherd's presence can keep worry at bay and can keep us calm. Our culture majors in worry. Think about the news cycle for the last 18 months. Just worry after worry after worry. Now listen, worry can become this simple little plague that just becomes a backdrop of your whole life and how you see the world. Now, a caveat of that is, listen, I understand anxiety is real. And for some, you may struggle with maybe even a chemical imbalance in that. And what a time to be alive, that we have the opportunity to to work with doctors and actually look at the possibility of, of medicine, being a help with that. And if that's you, it's okay to do that. But I'm not talking about that kind of worry, the serious kind of worry. I'm talking about just this plague of worry that tends to be a part of our cultural backdrop, maybe a part of your life that you struggle with or I struggle with at times. This idea of worry just plaguing us, understanding that that we can't control everything. The older I get, here's the truth I I hold on to more and more. I can't control anything. In my 20s, I sure thought I could I took a shot at it in my 30s to try to control everything. In my 40s, I'm just realizing, it's just a joke. I can have influence on things, but I can't control anything. It's above my pay grade. Why? Because I'm a sheep. I'm not the shepherd. And that's okay. In fact, it's actually a healthier place to be. And worry can get to that place where it just becomes this gnawing sense of anxiety in life. And we begin to understand, if you just think of it from a reality standpoint, worry is not helpful. It accomplishes nothing, does it? It's stewing without doing. Worry is unreasonable. It exaggerates our problems. It makes mountains out of... My mom said that a lot, too. In first grade, my... First grade teacher nicknamed me the worry wart of the West. Do you know how much that hurt in first grade? Being honest. Worry was so much a part of my life. Shyness. One of the shyest kids you'll ever meet. And God had to work on that to remove that from me. Worry's unhealthy it makes our body do things that aren't good for us, ulcers and backaches and headaches and insomnia. The only thing that worries in all of God's creation is people. Plants don't do it. Animals don't do it. We do it. And it's because we get consumed and we forget that we live under the care of a good shepherd. That's why Paul can write in Philippians chapter 4, 6-7, don't be anxious about anything. Your sheep. If you got a stress, take it to the shepherd. Cast your anxieties there, and his peace will stand guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the shepherd's presence changes things. When the shepherd is present with the sheep, well, worry can be kind of checked. Isaiah 40 says this that he, God, tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms, and listen, listen. He carries them close to his heart. That is so an intimate, affectionate picture of what God does and what he promises to do. If I believe that God is that good shepherd, as as much as I believe in gravity, if I can get my mind and my heart and my spirit there, then, then worry has a shelf life to it. When it shows up, it doesn't have to stick around because I'm under the care of a good shepherd. What does a shepherd do? Well, a shepherd provides. He provides food and shelter and basic necessities for the sheep. A, sh- a shepherd protects. He defends against enemies and against harm. A shepherd guides. He leads sheep when they're confused and when they're wandering and they're searching, he leads them. He calls them out. A shepherd corrects when a problem arises. The shepherd takes care of it. That's what shepherds do when they're good. God has promised those things to your life and my life. The Lord is my shepherd. Now listen, that means that you've said yes to being a part of his flock. God is not the shepherd of everybody, but he is a shepherd to each one who has said yes to Jesus. That's where it starts, that you come into his family, into his flock, and you are now under his care. And so it matters that we get to a place in our own spiritual journey where we say, listen, I'm gonna either keep living life my own or I'm gonna put my trust in what Jesus did for me, that his life, his death, his resurrection paved a way for me to have life with God, not by my effort, but by what he did for me. He pursues me because he's a good shepherd who goes and finds wandering sheep. But you've gotta make that call. You've gotta make that decision. And Maybe, maybe you're here tonight, you've never come to that place. Well, what better time than the start of a new year to do that. I encourage you to think about that. It's a willful decision to choose Jesus. He's already chosen you, but he doesn't force himself on anybody. He just says, "I I want a relationship. Do you want one? He proved his love. See, the shepherd's presence can help battle back against the worry. It can also help build up something that we all want more of. We want more contentment in life. We live in the world of want, the world of more. And we're all guilty of being trapped on the treadmill of, I've got to have more, I've got to have more, I've got to have more. This pursuit and this call, this undercurrent of our culture that says, you've got to pursue wants, this challenge, but see the good shepherd's presence helps us grow in contentment. It wrestles with this question. Can we become so preoccupied in getting more that we forget to actually enjoy what we've already been given? And see the good shepherd, his presence in your life begins to help you understand and grow this contentment. It's why Paul, the apostle Paul, can write these words in Philippians chapter four. Here's what he says. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me I'm not saying that because I'm in need. He's writing to this church saying, look, I'm not looking for something, but I'm I'm thrilled that you've showed interest back into me. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. How many people in our culture can say that? Not many. He goes on. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Listen, I have learned the secret being content. It is a secret and many people miss it. I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance whether fed or hungry living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what that verse is referring to. Contentment. I can live in a continual presence of the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. That's a peaceful place to be. Here's the takeaway for this entire series, what we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at. I'm giving it to you right now. You ready? Your success, your growth, and your quality as a sheep will be completely dependent upon your proximity to the shepherd. Your success, your spiritual growth, your spiritual quality as a sheep, as one under the care of God, will be completely dependent Upon the proximity of you to your shepherd. So many of these images in Psalm 23, and even beyond David, because here's what we know about David he died. Truth. David's got a shelf life. I do too, you do too. What we understand about these pictures that we see in the Psalm 23 that begins to play out is David writing, almost looking back to the Exodus story of the people of God who are trapped in Egypt, and God brings them out. He shepherds them out, calls them out into the desert, leads them to the promised land where he makes them lie down in green pastures. We'll get there next week. And it's the story of the super narrative that's understanding. But we understand that it actually goes on beyond that, beyond David. See, what happens is they get to the promised land, and soon after, a kingdom arises, and David arises, and he's the shepherd over the people. But David dies, and the kingdom splits up into the north and south kingdom, and things just kind of go awry, and they begin to slide and splinter. And hundreds of years later, you can read in Ezekiel 34, this chastising comment from God to the shepherds over the people. He says, these shepherds are false and all they care about is themselves. I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna come shepherd my people myself. Then you fast forward to to Matthew chapter two, verse six, Herod inquiring for the Magi, where is this one born king of the Jews? And they reply Quoting an Old Testament scripture saying, He's the one that will come to what? Shepherd His people. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says these words Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in synagogues, proclaiming good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion is the the single, highest, most talked about emotion of Jesus. Why? Because shepherds are motivated by compassion for the sheep that are in their care. They care about them. The good shepherd is motivated by that. Jesus sees people, begins to shepherd them, and calls them in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. John chapter 10, the whole chapter is about Jesus as the good shepherd. And here's what he says. The good shepherd understands his sheep. He knows them. He calls them out and they follow. They know his voice. The shepherd never abandons. He hired hands abandon The staff, they abandon and take off when danger comes. But the good shepherd always sticks around. The good shepherd leads. In fact, the good shepherd lays down his very life. For the sheep think about the crucifixion and the resurrection in that light the good shepherd lays down his life in the valley of death only to take it up again and go to the other side so he can call his sheep forward to say you can make it through anything because I've conquered everything and so we see this narrative throughout all of scripture why because the good shepherd his presence matters he walks with you He stays with you. He nourishes you. He protects and guards you. He quiets and calms you. He leads you home if you stay in proximity with him. Sheep that don't have time to stay in proximity with their shepherd, it does not go well for them. Friend, you have a good shepherd as a follower of Jesus. You have a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Keep in step with him this year. Make an aim of your very heart and soul to stay in proximity. Commit to listen to his voice over all the other voices that shout to us in our world. Realign yourself to make sure that you're seeking to stay in his presence, his protection, his provision versus striking out on your own or trying to be your own shepherd. It's above your pay grade you're a sheep, and that's okay because you're in the presence of a good shepherd. Your success, the quality of your life, the growth in your life as a sheep will be completely dependent upon your proximity to the shepherd. So find a regular rhythm to be with the shepherd, to practice proximity. Make that a goal to practice proximity with Him. That's an individual responsibility. Listen, we don't earn our salvation, but we are to own it. We're to own our own spiritual growth. To say, hey, look, discipleship is a process, and it takes intentionality to align our heart with God and His ways. It means spending time in His Word. Maybe for some of you, you've never read the scriptures. More than maybe one or two days. What would it be like this year to say, I want to read the Bible. I actually want to get to know my shepherd's voice. If you don't have a Bible, we'll get you one. If you you want a free one on your phone, download YouVersion. They've got thousands of reading plans on there that are all free to help you stay in proximity with your shepherd. Spend some time with those who are following the shepherd. Run life alongside them. Be in an e-group. Serve on an E-team. Be around people that are pursuing the shepherd like you can be. Be in community. Stay connected with the flock. That's why church matters. It's not an afterthought. It's not an accessory. It matters because it helps us stay in proximity with the shepherd. Now, that's how you own it. How we as leaders, we're to pour and invest into you is to say, hey, we're going to continue to encourage you to follow the shepherd. We're going to help you find experiences where you can invite and where you can connect and where you can grow and you can serve. You can serve outside of yourself. That's why we do so many food distributions and activities as a church. We want to not just be church and gather here. We want to be the church in the community. And that gives us opportunity to grow in that. Your success, your quality, and your growth as a sheep will be completely dependent upon your proximity to the shepherd. So here's the final two challenges. One's a question, one's a challenge. The question is this, ask yourself this week, how can I maximize and maintain rhythms of living that keep me in close proximity with my shepherd Jesus? What can I do in my life where I can maximize and maintain the rhythms of living in proximity with Jesus? What does that look like in your life? Own that for yourself. Find moments, maybe it's moments each day, maybe it's focus time each week, maybe it's one day a month where you're just getting away and just being, you turn your phone off and you're just with your shepherd, Jesus. Maybe it's extended time each year, whatever that may be, find the right rhythms that work for you in your stage in life and where you're at. The second thing is this. I don't know if you've ever memorized scripture or not. For some of you, we have. For others of you that's been like, oh, you know, eh, I do that for school. I'm not in school anymore. (laughs) Um, I want to encourage you by the end of January this month to have memorized Psalm 23. The whole thing. It's six verses. You can do it. But to memorize it. Here's verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This week, what would it be like just to repeat that over and over in your own heart, in your own soul? See, what's repeatable becomes reproducible. What's repeatable in our life, what we begin to understand is we want the repeatable reality of this truth that David is declaring to begin to reproduce itself within my life and within our living because we have a good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. in a culture that says you need more and more and more, that is counter-cultural. Listen, it's revolutionary. If you live with the reality that what goes up must come down. And what David is saying is the Lord is your shepherd. You lack nothing. Fathers, we make our way to communion and understanding more and more of just this truth of Psalm 23. It really is revolutionary to understand and see you and feel you and sense you that you are our good shepherd. You can run a universe with great precision and you can speak into our lives with great clarity. And as we see you more clearly, we can follow you more completely. So, Father, this reality of what David's declaring here, that you are our good shepherd, I really lack nothing. Would you help us to live in that truth, embraced by it? As we come to the communion table here, we remember Jesus, it was your sacrifice, your life, your death, your resurrection that we have all faith and where we get to live in this reality of life with you, it's only because of you, it's not because of what we do. And so we are grateful and as we approach the table, we remember it was your body broken, your blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins that we could have life with you. And so in these next few moments as we partake of that and as we sing this final song, I, I pray that you would speak into our hearts. God, would you let this next month be a journey where we really come to discover more and more in a deeper and brighter ways all of who you are and what you want to do in our lives. You are our good shepherd. We lack nothing.